regardless of anything that's going going on around you, the pandemic or stress or fear of performance or whatever it is, you can't control that. All you can control is what's right in front of you. And more often than not, if you do that, that gives you the best possible chance to perform in whatever it is that you're going to do. How do you control the things out of your control? You change your perspective, you alter your mindset, and you control the controllables. This is the topic I will be getting into today with the 78th Australian Rugby Test Captain, Will Genier. Will has won 110 caps for his country and is arguably one of the best scrum halves ever. This is a great conversation on Will's career from growing up in Papua New Guinea and defying the odds to become one of Australia's standout players. This conversation focuses a lot on the mindset element of success, which can be translated into real life on how we should perceive obstacles in our way. A really honest and insightful approach on the highs and lows of elite sports. Okay, Will, thank you for coming on today. I'm really excited for this conversation. I have such profound respect for you and what you're achieving in the game. How are things? I appreciate that, mate. Thanks for the thanks for the kind words. Um, but I'm good. I'm really good. Um, obviously, a very different 12, uh, 12 months that's just gone for a lot of us. Um, you know, for me personally, it's it's been quite a good thing because um, I, we because because rugby sort of took it took a back seat because of the whole pandemic. I was actually able to spend a lot of time at home back in Brisbane uh, with my family, with um, you know, with my daughter in particular, which I which I really appreciated because you know the life of a rugby player, constantly travelling, you're on the move. Uh, you're only at home for small periods of time. So that was certainly a, a huge positive for me. Um, and I mean, as for now, I'm back here in Japan, gearing up for our season. We, we start this Sunday, so really looking forward to, uh, to playing again. So you went out to Japan in 2019, is that right? Yeah, I came over the end of the World Cup, yeah. And when you went over there, were you able to play immediately or was it suspended then when COVID happened? No, mate, we started playing straight away. So our season kicked off, I think, midway through November and it finished midway through January. So it was a very short season um, because everything was condensed because the idea was the Olympics was going to be held um, 2020. So that was a priority. So we uh, we finished mid-Jan and then we were meant to start up again, I think, in September last year. But because of the whole pandemic situation, uh, everything just got cancelled and they said stay home. So, but hence, hence the positive being home <laughs> for that amount of time. What was that like then? You said you had that time to go home to Brisbane and enjoy time with your family because that's the longest you've probably had in years and years and years without rugby. So how was that time just to sit back and reflect? But it was unbelievable. Um, you know, obviously for the reason of having got to spend time with my family, but also, you know, for having played for so long now and, and you know, you, so the way it works is when you play Super Rugby, you start, let's just say you start end of um, Jan, you play up until June, if you play test rugby, you play from June up until November. You know, that's pretty, that was pretty much my life for 10, 10 years. So you very rarely get time um, for your body to rest and recover, but also for your body to, to build your body back up. So, you know, for me, it was, it was a huge positive in the sense that I got to not only recover, but essentially have like a, what, a six, seven month preseason where I could build my body up, look after all the niggles and, um, to just take care of it and build it up to the point where I'm confident in, my, in myself again. So uh, I think it was really good for me from that perspective. How would you feel now? You're back playing, the season's just started. How is the body and how is it, what's it like playing again after so long? 
man, I feel like a, I feel like a kid. Like you just <laughs> you're so excited. You, you don't care about winning or losing. You don't care about anything. You just actually want to get out there and enjoy the contest and enjoy the competition. So, like it, it's it's certainly reinvigorated my spirit. Uh, I'd say, uh, and I'm I'm just really looking forward to playing again. And just stripping it back a little bit now. So, where did the rugby journey first start for you? Did you always have in your mind that you wanted to be, you know, a wallaby and play international rugby? Mate, never. Uh, I, like, I, I was a young kid. I was born and grew up in Papua New Guinea, and I didn't leave there till I was 12. And I moved to Brisbane uh, for school. Uh, and as a kid growing up in Papua New Guinea, like, I didn't know what rugby was. Uh, I loved sport. I loved cricket. I loved basketball. Um, so I, I developed, I, I guess, a competitive nature uh, from, from playing those sports back, back at home in the backyard. But then moving to, to Brisbane... Um, you know, the rugby was the main sport at my school. So you just sort of jump in and you're involved. Uh, naturally, you know, I had, I had a talent for it. So I sort of grew with it, you know, made age group teams, Queensland 16s, Queensland schoolboys. Uh, but then it was one of those things where I, I, mate, I just played because I enjoyed it. I never thought, I never, at, at no stage did I ever think this is what I want to do. Um, I would just go out there and enjoy myself and have fun. And then I remember my first 15 coach, said to me, he goes, mate, you should actually try to give this a go. You're, you're like, you're, you know, you're, you're a good player. I remember I laughed at him <laughs> and he said, well, he said, you, you'll see, just wait. And then, mate, it was just one of those things where it just sort of happened, you know, like my, my story is sort of one of luck. You know, I, I, I made the Australian under-19s team my first year out of school, but only because the two halfbacks in front of me both broke their legs. Wow. Um, yeah, that was the only reason I made it. I didn't play much on that, in, on that tour because someone else was ahead of me. Uh, and then I didn't have an academy deal or anything um, after that. And then eventually I got asked to go on um, train with the academy at the Queensland Reds. And on the very first day that I went in there, Sam Cordingly uh, had surgery and was out for 12 months. So Eddie Jones said, look, we need a halfback. You seem like you go all right, so come along. Wow. And it kind of just started from there. And that's such an interesting thing, isn't it? Like how everything's almost meant for a reason. Um so what drives and motivates you as a person to ensure you're always bring your best and operating at a high level? I think motivation for me, it's intrinsic. You know, mm. there's not one thing like, like when I think back to like in the past, it was always like, um, you know, people said I wouldn't be good enough and, you know, my family's my, 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 my motivations. And certainly those things play their role at certain parts of my career mm. and have played their, that, 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 they played their part. But, it's just, it's more an intrinsic motivation for me where I love the game and I want to be the best that I can be. I want to be all that I can be um, because it's finite. You know, that, that's the way I think about it. Like, I'm not going to be able to do it forever. So my, my whole mindset and thinking around it is be the best that I can be and wherever that puts me in terms of how many tests I play, how, how many games I play, the things I achieve, um, that, that's, it, 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 that, that's where it'll put me. But you know, that was certainly my motivation is I just want to be as good as I can be because I love it. You know, I love it. I don't want to um, do things half-hearted and think I could have done this. I should have done this. I, j I just wanted to be all that I could be. Is that what you put your success down to is knowing intrinsically that you always want to be better each time you go out there? Well, mate, the thing is when I was younger, I was always told that I wasn't going to make it. I was always told that, you know, I was told by coaches that like, for example, Queensland 16s was going to be the peak of my rugby career. Uh, I was always told I'd never be as good as my older brother, um, uh, all those sorts of things. So that like, that plays a part in my head where like, I'm going to prove you wrong. Mm. Uh, and that certainly played a part in me developing that mentality where 
yeah, I, I, I used to love working hard. Like I was told I wasn't fit enough at certain points in my career that I wasn't good at doing this, good at doing that. So you, you use that as motivation to go away and just work and work and work. Matt, I'd, be, I'd pass for hours on end when lights are out, where you put car lights on, you go to the field when it's seven, eight o'clock at night to do fitness because someone said I wasn't fit enough. Um, so a lot of my success you put down to, it, you break it down in certain parts of your career. Like I said, that was early on. And then towards, say, the middle of my career, I became addicted to the process of wanting to be better. You know, I'll continually just working hard because I, I enjoyed the satisfaction I got, not necessarily from performances that I put in, but from the idea that I was giving everything to what I love, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and that's sort of been my where I've been at from, the, from about the middle of my career to now is just I enjoy the fact that I love what I do. And I think I owe it to myself to get as much out of it as I can by being as good as I can be. So in your opinion, because obviously you've captained various sides, you've captained at international level, you've captained the Reds. What makes a great leader? Is it from doing those things you spoke about earlier where you just lead from the front and then people then see that and follow? People often like associate leaders as being captains, whereas mm. a captain, captain for me is like a leader of a group of men in the sense that they encompass everything in terms of the on-field stuff, the off-field stuff. Um, generally, the captain of the team is, is a sort of bloke that's quite empathetic and understanding of his teammates and can lend himself to being in different cliques and different groups of people. So there's different, I find that there's different definitions of leader, leadership within rugby teams. For me, I, I always thought leadership was um, setting the example whether that be in training in terms of your work ethic, you know, the fact that you stay behind, you put in extras, uh, and then on the field, you actually do what you say you're going to do. You, you, you lead from the front in that sense. Um, I was real big on leadership being leading by example, but the older I've gotten and the more I've obviously been a part of rugby teams, there's, there's definitely different styles of leadership. And like I said, captains more or less are the, the guys that encompass everything in a broader sense as opposed to, maybe just being a leader by example. Hmm. What do you do personally to get the best out of the players that you play with and, and bring the best out of yourself as well? I think just trying to build relationships and build bonds with people. Um, that's a bit like, that's something that I've learned as I've gotten older, because when I was younger, it would just be like, do this. This is what I expect of you do it. Um, and you know, you give a bloke a spray, but you realize that people are different. People taking the messages differently. So now for me, it's more about building those relationships like, for example, with my wingers or my, my tens or my centers or my back rowers, having those like subtle conversations away from training or during training and be like, bro, are you, are you seeing this picture? This is what I need from you. You know, and you, likewise, you tell me what you need from me in this particular situation. Um, that's been like a real key in terms of uh, I've found my growth and leadership is understanding that people are different and wanting to build those relationships Um more so than the old school sort of spraying blokes and things like that. <laughs> yeah. And that's the modern almost way, isn't it? Is understanding the perspective of a different person and understanding what they're experiencing and how they like to take criticism and take feedback. So I think that's a really good approach that you're doing there is just understanding everyone's different and you've just got to accordingly act to that. hundred percent. Every like we, we've got a young winger here in Japan. Like he's, um, he can get real down and real negative on himself when you when you tell him he's not doing the right thing. And naturally, that was my well, that was my natural reaction to when he wouldn't do what he was supposed to do. But I've realised 
because he gets so down on himself, it's more a case of actually trying to understand, okay, how does he receive the messages that I give him? Yeah. Uh, and he, 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 he responds more to say positivity as opposed to the old old fashioned spray. So again, it's going back to building those relationships with the individuals within your team so that you're all on the same page as to how you receive and give messages. Rugby obviously is a small, with small margins and there's a high level of detail involved, especially in the position you're in. So how difficult is it to switch off when the rugby day's over and go home and not think about it? Have you always been able just to switch off and just enjoy your downtime or sometimes are you constantly thinking about rugby? Man, it's it's difficult because when I was younger, uh, even up to say like my late 20s, like I'm 32 now, but into my late 20s, you, it's almost impossible to switch off because you're always thinking about it, like a, a play that you did in this that particular game that you wish you could do again or something that you did well. You're always on the constant search for improvement um, on your days off. You're looking for ways that you can be better in terms of your diet so that it affects ultimately affects your performance. So I, I used to struggle struggle a fair bit with the, the, the idea of switching off. Uh, and it's only now that when I look back on it, I, I can recognize that. But now, I guess being... Again, being a little bit older, you realize the importance of being able to get away from it uh, because you, you sort of burn out a little bit if you're just constantly always thinking about it. Yeah. If, you, if, you can, if you can have passions outside of it or have things like study, for example, or you know, hobbies that you go do, it, it allows you to actually refresh and then come back to the next training day uh, in a better frame of mind to actually you know, do your job rather than constantly thinking about it and being a little bit burned out each time you get there uh, to train for the day. Yeah. So what are the things that you like to do then in your downtime to switch off and make sure you're coming back fresh? Mate, for me now, I like to read, uh, which is, I never used to read. So I like reading. I like doing like a um, little bit of study, like doing some online courses and things like that. Things that actually really, um, really interest me. So that, and that, that takes me completely away from thinking about footy. You know, I'd be sitting on my laptop doing a little bit of study or reading and you know, before I know it, a couple of hours have gone by. And it's a couple of hours where I've actually put my focus and my concentration on something else other than rugby. So, you know, that's 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 what I like to do. That's really interesting because that's a concept that I've spoken about with other people on the podcast. And they've often said that something that they've attributed to uh, recent success that they've had both on and off the field is being able to have a goal or a purpose outside of their sport and being able to come home, switch off, either spend time with family or focus on another goal outside of rugby. And they found that, it just stops you from not burning out, but it stops you from being over-consumed by the game. Would you agree? Mate, 100%. Because, like, for me, so back when, 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 when it was the sort of be-all and end-all of everything, for me, you, you then start to over-complicate the situation. You start, you start to over-complicate the way that you do things. You then start to over-practice because you think that you can do this better, do that better. Uh and in professional sport, particularly at rugby at the highest level, the worst thing you can do is overthink things and overanalyze things. Mm. It's all about touch. It's all about feel. You've done all the work leading up to it. It's all about then just going out there and performing. Whereas if you make it everything without having other things to sort of pique your interest or distract you from it, you get into that frame of mind where you just overanalyze things, you overthink things, and, and you're not actually concentrating on the performance. You're actually concentrating on you know, the result, because you want to be able, you want to be doing this tiny little thing well, this tiny little thing well, and you start overthinking it. And you, like, for me, it was a little bit of burnout. You just get, you get, you burn out a little bit and you get frustrated. Whereas now when I, because I have things where I can take my mind off the, off footy, 
every time I go to train, I'm like, how good's this? Like, I love this. I, I love being here. I love the idea of getting better while I'm here. I always, it sort of got to a little bit of a grind, uh, sort of around the middle part of my career. Yeah. Are there certain habits that you do now to make sure that you're always bringing your best? So you said off the field that you like, you study, you read in, then on the field, you kind of know your players, you know yourself, you know what you're about and what you want to bring. But are there other habits that you bring to make sure you're always operating at that high level? Habits as far as what I do to prepare, like a pretty ingrained mm. uh, in terms of, um, say like your preparation for a training session, you know, making sure that you're, you see your physios, you get your treatment, you stretch, things like that. Um, I guess maybe more to your point, I, like, I have little focus points that I try to concentrate on before yeah. I train and before I play. Um, and the biggest thing that I try to focus on is just being engaged mm. because, um, you know, more often than not, it's human nature. Your mind can drift, whether it's in training or in games. So I, I make a note to... Uh, always before training read a certain thing that I've written in my phone which is to make sure I stay engaged and be present as much as I can and how have you always dealt with the pressure in your career like I just can't imagine playing at international level for example you're in Sydney or whatever and you're playing the All Blacks and you've done that all for your career how do you deal with the pressure and those fine moments of a high detail and high pressure I'll say this. So for me, when I think about high performance, high performance is the ability to focus consistently on the process in high intensity and high pressure moments, right? That's, that's how I sort of define high performance. So when things get tough, when things get difficult and things get hard, obviously being in test match rugby, mm. you just focus on the process. You just focus on what exactly you're doing in that particular moment. And the thing that allows you to do that is just your preparation. You've done the hours, however many hours of passing kicking tackling all those sorts of things so in any given moment if it's me making a pass i'm just focusing on that process i'm not focusing i'm not worried about the outcome I'm not worried about the result of it whether the 10 catches it up here or here i'm not worried about the outcome of the game or this particular play like where we end up whatever it is the thing that's always allowed me to i guess perform in those high pressure high, high intensity moments is just focusing on the process and what's allowed me to focus on the process is the fact that I've done the work. Yeah. Yeah. And by doing that, you know then within yourself that you're ready for it. There's no doubt in your mind that you're prepared. Not exactly right. Because at the end of the day, you can be, you can have self-confidence and be confident all sort of thing, but you can never account for the unknown. So yeah. when you're going into a test match or you're going into a game, you don't know what's going to happen. Mm. So it's about accepting that you can't control that. But what you can control is your preparation. And then through your preparation, you can focus on just your process each and every time you go to execute your skill. Yeah. So under pressure, when you're and made test match footy, you're tired from about 15, 20 minutes. <laughs> test match footy is then about hanging on and, and doing your best to concentrate and focus through that fatigue. And what allowed me to do that was just trusting my process and focusing on my process. Because I'll tell you, there's there's been games where I don't know after 15 minutes, how I'm going to last. And, but it, it, it becomes sort of automatic because you know, your process, when you get into a breakdown and you absolutely knack it after 10, 11 phases, your process allows you to then make that pass under, under absolute fatigue. Um, so that'd be the biggest thing for me is just, 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 to, just to consistently focus on your process when you feel the pressure is on or when it is in high, t high intensity environments. 
And setbacks, you know, is a topic I want to really talk to you about because in life we all get them. It seems more pertinent now talking about it because it translates into normal life, such as COVID, people have lost people, people have gone through hard times. But then also in the rugby world, you're worrying about injuries, possibly selection, contracts, things like that. So how have you always approached setbacks or difficult times in your career? Well, see, the interesting thing is everything you say there, like you, people worry about um, setbacks, injuries or whatever, you know, the pandemic. The thing is you can't actually control those things. Mm. We, we, we tend to create a feeling of pressure and stress and fear because of things we just sort of make up in our head. Whereas what's actually real and what's in front of us now is what we're doing, you know, being in this particular moment. So for me, I always, whenever things got tough for me, you know, I obviously had an ACL injury off you know, my knees. You know, you pretty much got arthritis in my knee at the moment, but I've always concentrated on controlling what I can control. Mm. And that's probably allowed me to stay a little bit more in the moment. So, you know, when I, when I did my ACL and I was coming back from surgery from that, that was bloody tough. Like I remember when I first did it, I was in the shower um, after the surgery and, you know, I could barely stand and things like that. And I was in tears thinking what's happening. Like, I don't know what I'm going to do with myself. Then I quickly understood, all right, I can't control, all, all I can control is my rehab and doing everything that I'm supposed to do every single day um, to make sure that I give myself the best possible chance to, to come back and play rugby and, and do what I love and, and enjoy doing what I do. And I think it sort of translates into life in the sense that regardless of anything that's going on, going on around you, the pandemic or stress or fear of performance or whatever it is, you can't control that. All you can control is what's right in front of you. And more often than not, if you do that, that gives you the best possible chance to perform in whatever it is that you're going to do, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It completely does. It's it's something that's a really interesting concept, just control the controllables. I love that quote. I've recently read it in a book, and I think it is so spot on and accurate for the times that we're in but sometimes it's harder to think like that have you always been able to think with that mindset where you've always controlled the controllables or was there a defining moment in your career which made you start thinking like that now, there was one particular moment I, it was my first 15 coach when I first started with the Reds in it was the end of 2006 at preseason. I was I was a young pup so every time I'd make a mistake because I was with all these you know stars you know these wallaby players and things like that within the Reds team I was always so down on myself uh, and I would let it affect me for the entire training session uh, because I was, I felt like I let them down or then it would affect my next pass, which was then a poor pass. And it was like an ongoing cycle. And I remember I, I was speaking to my coach about it. He was, he's essentially, he, was, he's, he is my mentor. Um, he said, what that poor pass that you did, how, like, what is, what is you thinking about that? How is that going to help you execute the next pass? How is that going to, like the mistakes that you've made before, you thinking about them, does that help you execute the next pass or the next kick? And I remember I thought to, I thought to myself, I was like, no. And, and, he, and then all he said after that is, so then just control what you can control, which is regardless of if you make a mistake, all you can do is make sure the next pass is, is good. The next pass is good. The next pass is good. And it, it, I guess it translates to even when you do good things. Yeah, you might do an awesome thing or you make a line break or whatever. But it doesn't matter. All that matters is what's here, what's now. And that was like a big sort of light bulb moment for me where I was like, yeah, nothing that I've done before affects what I'm doing now. Just concentrate on what's now. 
I guess that's, I was lucky enough to learn that. I was probably 18 or 19 at the time. And I've tried to sort of translate that into the rest of my life, whether it be rugby or just life in general, in that you, you can only control what's in front of you, what you can control. And I, like you, you use it from a rugby standpoint as well. Like say before a game, people tend to stress about it. They're thinking, oh, what's going to happen? Am I going to do this well? I'm going to do that well. You know, who's, uh, I hope the other team doesn't play well or whatever it might be. Um, but you can't control any of that. But you thinking that way just creates even more pressure on yourself and even more fear. Yeah. But for what? Because it's not real. None of, none, of that, none of that's real. What's real is you sitting in the change room now, just enjoying that moment, enjoying the anticipation of doing what you love. And then when you get out there, it comes back to what I was saying before, you've done the work. You've done the work. So when you get out there, you've, you just control what you can control, which is just executing your skills within that moment. And I think if you translate that to just real life, it's the same thing. Everything going on in the world right now, you can't control that. All you can control is yourself in this particular moment. Yeah. And then if the if challenges arise, you're ready because you, for, for whatever it is at work or with family or whatever, you've done the work to be ready to explore yourself in all these different challenges. Do you think that's the biggest lesson that you've learned from rugby that you've then translated into the rest of your life that what that mentor gave you then? Like 100%. The funny thing is it's taken me a while to get there. Yeah. Like I, 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 I use that lesson and still do today so effectively in rugby, but it's only in the last couple of years I've realized how important that is in, in life in general. Uh, and it's still a process for me. Like I obviously still struggle with things like I'm sure everybody does, but I know that I can always come back to something like that, which is uh, really important for me and something that really helps me. Yeah. What's some of your favorite moments then from your career? Uh, uh, the, the British Lions tour in 2013 was unbelievable. Yeah. Like just, it's been, it, the atmosphere and the vibe and the intensity around it was, was bigger than any of the three World Cups I went to. Wow, it was, really? It was, mate, it was unbelievable. Like the first test in Brisbane, the build up to it, the way that we, we could have won if Curly kicks that kick right at the end. Uh, but mate, the fans and just the electricity of the fans and the intensity, the singing. And I remember going to Melbourne. And again, like Melbourne's the NAFL, Australian football, uh, Aussie rules town, but it was rugby for that particular week and that particular day. And then in Sydney, Nobody cares about rugby in Sydney, but on the on the eve of the on the day of the final test, there was a British Lions jersey and a Wallaby jersey on the harbour, you know, in the harbour on on the water in Sydney. And I remember walking to go get lunch that day on game day, and it was just packed, packed with Wallaby supporters and British Lions supporters. And nothing I've experienced has come close to that. Like I said, not the World Cups, not the World Cup final. That that series for me was unbelievable. Wow. And you've obviously played with some unbelievable people. Have you got a few people that, that you think, looking back from your career, that you think they really influenced you and helped you become the player that you are now? Yeah, 100%. Obviously, Quade Cooper has been a huge influence on my career because we've played so much together and I've learned so much from him from a rugby perspective and also from just, just in life in general. I think the two people that had the biggest influence on me in terms of my rugby and the guys that I played with were Matt Guido and uh, Digby Iwani because two blokes who would never take a shortcut in anything that they did and were the hardest workers in any team that they were a part of. Gitz, for example, would never, ever take a shortcut if it was on 
on the field doing fitness, you know, 50, 50 100 sprints, whatever it is, he, and would always make his times. And Digby was exactly the same. And they would always do extras and always work hard and always pull you up if you didn't. I remember there was one time I was doing chin-ups and I was doing half chin-ups and Gibbs standing behind me. He was like, hey, what are you doing? You're not counting those, surely. And I would just, I just watched them and I realized, and at that time, like I had just made the Wallabies team. They were the guys that were performing consistently day in, day out, week in, week out. And it sort of clicked to me. I was like, well, the reason that they perform this way is because of the preparation that they put in. Because of the fact that they don't take shortcuts and they push themselves to the absolute limit. So I would then just hang around them. I was like a little, you know, I, I was this little fly that would just follow them around everywhere. Um, and it had such a profound impact on me because you, as simple as it sounds, I just saw a direct correlation between training and performance. Um, so I would say that from a rugby perspective, certainly those three, but in particular, I'd say Gitz and Digby had a huge impact on me. You know, I remember watching Matt Gitto play for, yeah, playing obviously in Australia, then he went to Toulon. Um, it was unbelievable there. And the thing I liked about his story was he came back after having so many years out and was able to perform at such a high level at international level in the 2015 World Cup. It was unbelievable. Mate, exactly. And that just comes down to his his preparation. He's one of the most mentally tough people I know, and as is Digby. But because they know that when they put, put themselves out there to perform, they have to have done the work so that they can perform, if that makes sense. Because yeah. it, 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 Gitz is the type of person, like he, he puts a lot of pressure on himself to make sure he, he performs um, because he's that type of person. You know, he wants to go out there and do well. But you, you, as a person watching him, you always know he's going to perform because when you watch him train, man, he's an absolute freak. <laughs> you've played rugby all around the world now and you've had so many amazing experiences and opportunities. What's rugby given you as a person? Mate, rugby's given me the opportunity to learn uh, a lot about myself, a lot about life in general. Like, like I said, like the fact that I've been fortunate enough to learn things like you know, the whole control, what you can control. Um, it's taught me things like that, that I know that will stand me in good stead for, for life in general. It's kind of a hard question to answer because like it's rugby teaches you so much because it's yeah. a life within a life, you know, like you say, so, like, this is my 16th season. Now you probably live so much of your life in 16 years that most people would live in 70 years because everything's condensed mm. in terms of like, in terms of success, ambition, in terms of, um, lessons that you learn, everything's accelerated within that 16 year period. Um, so it's a hard question to answer, but it's just, it's given me so much and it's just given me the ability to, to, um, to learn, you know, I'll, I'll, answer, I'll answer it this way. What it's given me is, um, a growth mindset. It's given me, that's the biggest thing it's given me. The, the idea that I can continually strive to improve and be better moving in my life or in rugby or whatever it is. That that, yeah. that 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 I would say is the biggest thing that it's given me. Yeah. How difficult was it to decide them from leaving Australia, leaving international rugby to come to Japan? Was it a difficult thing, or was it was it an easy decision? Yeah, I was ready. Yeah, I was absolutely ready. Like physically, mentally, and emotionally, I was ready for a different challenge and to to, to do something different. Yeah, I was fortunate enough to play what I don't even know, like maybe eleven or twelve years of Super Rugby. And I had a couple of years in Paris. And just by that stage of my career, it's, it's a couple of things. Like you feel like you're ready for a different challenge. You feel like you're ready to, to try something new, but you also feel like it's, 
the time is right for someone else to have a go, you know, yeah. someone else to have an opportunity in the Wallaby jersey. And obviously at the time I was at the Rebels in the Rebels jersey. Uh, and yeah, that, 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 that's, that was probably the overwhelming feeling. I was like, it's someone else's turn. You know, I've, I've done all that I can do. I've given all that I could, could give. And now it's someone else's opportunity to, to have a go. And then my last question is, so from the experiences you've had and the conversations that we're, we're having now and the topics we're discussing, what is one piece of overall advice that you'd give to somebody? And now we'll condense it so I won't make it too general. What is one piece of advice that you'd give to someone in life now who is just really trying to get the best out of themselves? They're trying to, it can either be through work, being a person who's just trying to be a better family man or woman, or they're just trying to get the best out of themselves. What is one piece of advice you'd give that person? I heard this from Johnny Wilkinson uh, and he said this, he said that joy is being fully engaged in every moment in life. And that's that I feel like for me, that's so profound because we care, to, we, we, we live so much of our lives in our heads as far as what we can do, what we think we can do, what this person is doing, what others are thinking, what we're thinking. When we just forget to actually live what's in front of us. Mm. And that's been such a big thing for me because as a rugby player in my particular profession, in my experience, you, you, care, you sometimes you worry too much about the result or the outcome. Uh, or what happens if you make a mistake, how that's going to affect the team, as opposed to just enjoying the experience of what you're doing. Um, and that's, that's, like, that's how I've always felt, but I've never been able to articulate it the way that he, he did, and it really struck a chord with me. So I, I would say, yeah, just find joy in the moments that you have now that are in front of you. Yeah. And more often than not, you'll be successful in those moments and then it's like well, anything, like it's like a snowball effect, success, success, success. And mm. eventually you, you end up, I don't know, you end up being successful. I don't know. It almost translates into finding happiness in those small moments. And it doesn't have to be, you know, in, in your job, in your work or anything. Like people chase often the wrong happiness or the wrong things. They think that's going to make them happy. That's going to make them happy. But I really like what you're saying. And which is just find those small moments that bring you peace, bring you happiness, and bring you success. hundred percent, because we think too much about things as like a beginning and an end, right? It's like, all right, yep. and, and, and it's like we have to suffer at the beginning to then a, to achieve joy or happiness at the end. Yeah. But that's, that's, that's not the truth. If you think that you have to suffer to achieve something, you're just creating a habit of suffering. Whereas if you just think about it as, all right, I'm in this particular moment, just enjoy this moment for what it is. And in that particular moment, you might feel stressed, you might feel angry or upset, or you might feel happy, but you're just engaged in that moment. And it is what it is. And then you leave it behind when you're doing something else. Do, do, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and that's what I found has been really beneficial for me is it's like, for example, if you have a bad training session or you have a bad game, that's done. You can't control that. You let that go. You just concentrate on what you're doing now. And you look back on those sorts of things objectively. All right, that happened. How can I improve and be better? As opposed to being emotionally attached to it and thinking, oh, I was terrible. You know, I don't feel good because I was terrible. What's that going to do for you? Like, that's not real. What's real is what, what you're doing now. Yeah. And it goes back to your earlier point, doesn't it? Control the controllables. Exactly right. It's all sort of linked. You can't control what happens. But like, an hour from now, let alone tomorrow. All you can control is now. 
and and being the best sort of not so much being the best version but just being engaged in this moment in particular in in particular now and that sets you up then for the next moment the next moment the next moment because you're just you're getting the best out of yourself in each and every moment yeah absolutely mate well I just want to thank you for your time for coming on the podcast today. I've loved talking about your career and talking about mindset with you, like what you've attributed your success down to. So thank you for joining me today, mate. Thanks for having me, man. I really appreciate it. Good to chew the fat. Thank you for taking the time for listening today. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you took a lot from this. And if you did enjoy it, share it with someone that you know would enjoy it share the message, share on your socials. I really appreciate it as always. Thank you again for downloading and see you next time.